All right, it's the usual time, it's the usual theme music, it's the usual guy, Philip Malloy, Movies and Television. Philip, welcome to the programme. Thank you very much, George. Uh, You have some information? Um, well, I've, I've reviews. You want to start with reviews? Uh, well, why not do but, one way, review anyway for yeah, better crack? Could I, could I just say to you, I'm just in from a movie called Life. Okay? Yeah. And Life is the story about the... Remember in Life magazine when James Dean died, they had this great spread yeah. of pictures about him, what they called a picture essay, a photo essay. And it's about the relationship between James Dean uh, at that stage, which was between um, he had uh, uh, he had done East of Eden and he was going on to do Rebel Without a Cause, and it was between uh, uh, it's set in that sort of period. He goes home uh, to um, to his home place, his farm in Indiana, and he takes this photographer, a guy called Dennis Stock, who's played by Robert Robert Pattinson. He takes him with him, and it's about that sort of relationship. Now there isn't an awful lot of incident in it. He's played by an actor called Dane DeHaan. Not a huge amount of incident in it. And by the way, Harry or Jack Warner is in it. He's played by Ben Kingsley and he's an absolute SH1T. He's appalling in it. He's awful. Well, he um, was awful. You know, he was awful. He was. <laughs> so, he was I mean, so they've hit Jack him Jack Warner, head of Warner Brothers, yeah. it should be said. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was just. He had made East of Eden for Warner Brothers and he was just about to make Rebel Without a Cause. Let's stay with James Dean for a second. Yeah, yeah. Presumably, there is a, 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 a huge cohort of listeners who've never heard no, of him. No, no. Um, I mean, would you think or not? No, no, absolutely. And uh, I mean, as, okay, he made, he had supporting small parts in, in films, but strictly speaking, he just made three. Yeah. Uh, Rebel Without a Cause, Giant, and um, East of Eden. And uh, so, and he, he, they all sort of came out sort of posthumously. So, well, no, he, uh, no, East of Eden came out before he died. Yeah. And uh, one of the things as well was he had a he had what seemed like a very strong relationship with Pierre Angeli. And he's uh, and this is this is the, is done quite dramatically in the movie. And uh, they have a press conference and one of the reporters at the press conference announces that Pierre, Pierre Angeli had just announced her engagement to Vic Damone, you know, Vic uh, the crooner, the, the crooner. And he. He, he, he's very disturbed about that. All oh, right. So, okay. but but it, it looks it looks very well. It has sort of period color, very rich. Uh, but as I say, there isn't an awful lot of incident in it. But it's 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 nice enough. All right. Well, what's Meryl Streep on about? Is, oh yeah. Is, yeah. is she in town with a movie? When I no. say she, I mean is there a Meryl Streep movie yeah, yeah. in town? It opens on Friday and it's called Ricky and the Flash, right. and it reunites Meryl Streep and her daughter Mamie Gummer. Mamie Gummer is you know the the psychophantic uh, lawyer in uh, The Good Wife. You know the one who's always oh, yeah. always, always licking up to the judges. <laughs> yeah. That's that's Mamie Gummer. Oh, is yeah, it? And right. the, so the two of them are in, 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 in a movie for the first time in 29 years. You may remember uh, um, a film called Heartburn, in which, um, uh, which is based on this, the story of Nora Ephron and her relationship with Carol Bernstein. Remember Carol Bernstein yeah. of the Washington Post, who turned out to be not a very nice person. He had an affair. She found out about the affair and they, they broke up. But anyway, there's a scene, it's directed by Mike Nichols, and there's a scene in a plane in, it in which she's nursing, that's Meryl Streep, as the Nora Ephron character is nursing a little baby and the baby at that time less than two years of age played by Mamie Gummer anyway in this one Ricky and the Flash she plays this middle-aged musician she's left her family um, her family is a businessman played by Kevin Klein and three kids left them in Indianapolis and gone off to California to um, seek sort of fame and fortune as a singer 
and uh, of course it doesn't hap- happen for her and when we first meet her she's playing uh, fronting this band this pub band called The Flash in Tarzana in the San Fernando Valley are you familiar with Tarzana? Yeah. You, you usually know these things and uh, she lives in a tiny sort of ill-equipped apartment and she supplements her income by working as a checkout girl but this is what happens anyway she's forced to face what she has become and return to some version of being a mother when she gets a phone call from her ex-husband to say that the daughter's marriage is broken up and uh, that she has tried to commit suicide. So that's basically what it's about. Uh, It's directed by Jonathan Demme, very accomplished director. Uh, He made The Silence of the Lambs. And it's okay. It's not great. Well, you haven't done it justice. So it must be like, I mean, uh, personally. I'm holding off now. I'm holding off saying saying what happened and what didn't happen. No, but that's a bad movie. I mean, like Meryl Streep, you automatically assume. But that doesn't mean she doesn't make bad movies either. No, 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 absolutely. And this is one of the ones that probably won't won't be. And her performance won't be nominated for an Oscar. You have another one? Me and Errol and the Dying Girl. This was a, fo- a movie that was acquired by Fox Searchlight Pictures. At, um, Fo- Fox Searchlight is a subsidiary of 20th Century Fox in a bidding war for $12 million um, at the, uh, the, uh, when, it went, when it won the Audience Award and the Grand Jury Award at the Sundance Film Festival this year. And in a way, it's the sort of mo- uh, innov- innovative sort of independent picture that Sundance was set up to discover and promote. And it basically what it does, it takes the ingredients of what are called young adult stories and it stands them on their head. And uh, this lanky, awkward um, actor called Thomas Mann, who's a genuine fond, f- find, he's from Texas and he's just lovely. He plays Greg, Pittsburgh high school major, who spends most of his time reworking classic movies in clay motion, claymation form uh, with his friend Earl. And when the daughter of a neighbor is diagnosed with leukemia, Greg is partly blackmailed by his parents into befriending her and a fairly honest and open relationship about her um, illness uh, develops. And was that any I, I really like this. I really like it. It's, it has a lovely sort of droll, quirky quality to it. And uh, there's a there's a nice um, the, the, there's a nice uh, adult cast uh, backing up the three uh, youngsters at the centre of it. John Bernthal, Nick Offerman, Connie Britton and Molly Shannon. And uh, the dialogue and the sight gags are confidently paced and the animation is cleverly worked into the narrative. Okay. It's worth seeing. What's this? You have a listener, Jean Ashton, is talking about Colin Yeah, she's on about uh, she's on about a movie called Solace. Now, this is quite kind of strange. Um, First of all, uh, it co-stars him and Anthony Hopkins and Jeffrey Dean Morgan. And it's 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 the story of a psychic who works with the FBI to hunt down a serial killer. And it originated, George, from a, a rewritten script that was intended to be a sequel to Seven. Number seven, yeah, the the uh, Brad Pitt movie, and uh, it, it for some reason it was made in uh, 2013. Uh, May, June, July 2013. For some reason, it hasn't been released up to now, but I've checked on it and it's down for release on the 25th of September. And by the way, I won't say any more than, than, than this about Farrell, but he plays the serial killer. There is another query from a Tala listener, Stephen O'Keefe. Once saw a movie in the Corinthian cinema and there was a movie house next to it, which was kind of an art house movie house, which showed French movies yeah. and all us young fellas went in there because we 
thought there'd be a bit of sex. Mm. Invariably, there wasn't. Because it had been cut out by the Irish censor. You're absolutely right. Anyway, to get back to Stephen O'Keefe, he was in the Corinthian. A vast swarm, the movie's about a vast swarm of ants attacking a ranch in South America. Have George or Philip seen it and who was in it? Can I start it off? Yes, yes, start it off. Right? Yeah. With uh, not an answer, but a question for you. Mm. What is the connection between the movie that Stephen O'Keefe is talking about and the sound of music? Well, it's Eleanor Parker, obviously. Well, don't just say obviously. That was a brilliant answer by well, Philip Malloy, demonstrating once again his extraordinary and right. encyclopedic knowledge of the cinema. Yeah. The movie starred, I don't remember the name, mm. but it starred Eleanor Parker, who was a sort of engaged to Christopher Plummer in The Sound of Music. Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah. But he fell until in love with Ma- Until Maria came along. Until yeah, Maria yeah. came along. Uh, and Charlton Heston. Yeah. And she was in an arranged marriage or yeah. something and Heston hated her. Yeah. Then the ants attacked and they fall in love because, yeah. they, because he beats the, the ants. Yeah, he, she, she, she arrives by proxy. Eleanor Parker. No, the name of the movie. The name of the movie is The Naked Jungle. Naked Jungle. You're she, so right. Th- that's what, that's what the, the, the Stephen O'Keefe is asking about, isn't it? All right. And uh, it's uh, made in 1954. At that time, sort of Heston hadn't made the, the Ten Commandments, but was really sort of seriously coming in, into his own as this kind of epic champion. But uh, uh, she's, uh, she's a kind of bride by proxy. Uh, that uh, he has sent to this Brazilian sort of cocoa farm where he's 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 working, and she arrives, and he figures that she's too good to be true, and basically he suspects her all along, and she's about to go home when the, the, this, the this, these ants are called the Marabunta. They are, they arrive. <laughs> I don't remember uh, the Marabunta, yeah, but I, I tell you, there's nothing I'm interested in because yeah. we few reviews do. But J. D. Salinger, yes. now he wrote Catcher in the Rye. Is that right? He did. And, but they're making a movie about it. I, 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 did you love Catching a Dry? I loved it. Oh, wonderful uh, book. Yeah, but yeah, they're making a movie now. They are, they are. About There's Salinger? A, it's or? About, no, it's about Salinger. I'll tell you about it now. It's, it's to star an actor called Nicholas Holt. I don't know if you remember um, uh, a film, a comedy, a Hugh Grant comedy called About a Boy. Well, he played the boy in it and he was he was wonderful. And now he's grown up and uh, he's he's making sort of movies all over the place. He had a big hit earlier this year as this kind of bald headed character called Nux in Mad Max uh, Fury Road. But he's been, uh, as you say, he's been cast as Salinger in Rebel in the Rye. It's called Rebel in the Rye. And we'll focus on the period between you like this between uh, because the guy basically got his spurs in the Second World War. Sandra he was in the Second World War was and he? apparently right. he, he experienced sort of horrendous kind of events. So it's between the Second World War and I think it's 1951 when Catcher in the Rye was published. And as you know, he was he was famously reclusive after that. Nobody ever got interviews with him or anything like that. But the, the Catcher in the Rye went on and on and on. And it's, I suppose, the greatest coming of age uh, book of all time. Great book. So, but so but this is is slated to, to be filmed, is it? It's about to be filmed now. So now, can you tell as me? You, as you know, George, by the way, that um, books about or films about writers don't generally work. They haven't generally worked in, right. in film history. But hopefully this will now, amount to something. Now, I remember, 
uh, Connery trying to escape Bond and he escaped he'd only made two Bonds at this point Dr. Yeah. No and Goldfinger and he tried to escape being typecast by making a film for John Borman in Ireland called Zardos yeah. where he took his wig off and he had a ponytail right. extraordinary because none of us but, saw him bald before but he looked as well as if he was wearing a nappy didn't he yeah didn't he <laughs> he did <laughs> although that's not the question yes, yeah. my question is Pierce Brosnan is now trying to develop a post-Bond career mm. and you've got a movie and is it any good? Well, it's called No Escape and it's very much, George, it's very much um, um, a B-movie. And, uh, I okay, Owen Wilson is in it and Owen Wilson, as far as I know, hasn't made um, a, a non-comedy for about 13 years. And at the same time then, Pierce Brosnan, he's, he's been going on, he's been trying to sort of build this kind of character career post-Bond for himself. In this, he plays this kind of uh, jowly, uh, greying uh, uh, government operative, British government op- operative with a Cockney accent. And he said, he I don't know if you remember, a drummer, from a group called Cream called Ginger Baker. Well, he said he he, he actually based uh, this character on Ginger Baker. Anyway, what has happened is, it, as I said, it's a B-movie, and it, it, this, this character played by Owen Wilson is an engineer, and he arrives from America with his wife, played by Lake Bell, and two daughters, and they're... Uh, supposed to be working well he's supposed to be working on a plan uh, to provide a clean water sort of facility um, in this country but uh, there's a, a, an eruption of of objections to it uh, the, the locals apparently feel that uh, they're trying to privatise the water and uh, they go on the rant and so what, what what happens is this movie the story lasts for 17 hours I'm not saying the movie lasts for, lasts for 17 hours but the story the goes, scale, yeah. story, story goes on for 17 hours and it's a chase story uh, in which the family basically is trying to find the way out. It's a B movie, as I say. They don't give you one of the things I would have been interested in would have been to get the social and political context of the story. Yeah. What, where is the fourth world, that the country that they're talking about? But you but don't get that at all. Yeah, but I remember sometimes they do this. Well, in the old days, the yeah. old days of B movies, yeah. it would ha- it was always like a South American country, country. you know. But they never told you where it was, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, one of the the only thing, the only giveaway we have on this is that um, it was shown to the uh, art minister in Cambodia and they decided on the basis of the trailer to ban it. Really? Yeah, so for some okay. reason. Yeah. Now finally you have a documentary on uh, yeah. USA, Mexico and yeah, as we, you and I, You and I have talked before um, about this. By the way, the director of this um, film uh, called Cartel Land, he'll be on the picture show, his name is Matthew Heinemann and he'll be on the picture show at the weekend at, at 6 o'clock on Saturday. But anyway, uh, we can, uh, there isn't a week goes by now that we don't have a fairly significant uh, documentary and this yeah. is the latest one. It's a vivid portrait of the kind of narco cartel wars along the Mexican US border by this director and cinematographer Matthew Heinemann. And um, it's extraordinarily well done. It's absolutely riveting stuff. A graphic picture painted against, uh, uh, painted with, I think, without fear by this resourceful, determined and uh, talented filmmaker. Just to tell you very quickly, what has happened in, in, in these, okay, you have these cartels that are along the border and in northern Mexico. Now we saw an element to this, didn't we, in that series where the, the chemistry teacher yes. made drugs. Remember, yeah. he was yeah, dealing well, well, with he, these guys. I, I, actually, yeah, actually, um, uh, Matthew, in some of the, several of the interviews I've read with Matthew, he actually says that this is the real bad behaviour 
This is the story behind the real bad behavior. Now, one of the things that has happened is he OK, this this uh, filmmaker, he was t- making a movie set in Arizona um, about uh, the bringing of uh, immigrants and drug tra- traffickers across the border. And he just heard about this other story about vigilante groups being set up in Mexico to fight against the cartels. And this is that story. And it's first class. It's a great story, John. A difficult story to make, I no, would have no, thought. Like, I mean, there, there would have been an element of danger, I would have thought. Yeah, well, no? no, that's a really good point. Uh, one of the, the things that, and uh, up to then, one of the things that it had, up to the making of this, one of the things that had happened was, uh, well, up to the creation of the vigilante groups, one of the things that has happened was it was very hard for reporters and filmmakers and television filmmakers to to gain access uh, to to these groups and what they were doing. So uh, what has happened now is these filmmakers have become sort of embedded with the vigilante groups and they've gotten in in that way. So that's how this guy actually... uh, uh, um, Now we're going to Downton Abbey because there's another series to come. Isn't that right? Have they written no, no, that? No, which no, we, they've filmed it. They've done it. Yeah, which yeah. looks like being the final series. Now, right. I thought one of the outstanding mm. uh, uh, actors in mm. that was a, was a woman. Mm. She was she married Bates. Do you remember? Right, and Bates right. went to prison, and then and then she was accused of the murder. I thought I'd never seen her before. Yeah, well, she had a running part for several years in Coronation Street. Now hold on, here. you I don't, don't know. Say no, you, you might. I'm not. Ex- I'm not <laughs> seriously expecting you to know about Carnation Street, right. but you might have taken some interest in her after and sort of looked her up. And well, I probably should have. I mm. usually do, but, uh, I, but even this, if it said Carnation Street on her CV, I wouldn't have paid much attention yeah, to it. She, but she is a smashing actress. No, yeah, but, and she's a very attractive woman as well. Um, but no, uh, it's normally my job <laughs> to job talk to about attractive. Anyway, women, her name not is you. her name is. Uh, I, she she kept this name anyway. Joanna Froggett is her and, name. Is her name, and she plays, as you say, this kind of kind-hearted maid, Anna Bates, in Downton Abbey, and she's been cast uh, in her first, sort of first post Downton uh, role. She's been cast as this Victorian serial killer, a woman called Mary Ann Cotton, uh, in a two-part uh, miniseries for ITV. It's called Dark Angel, and the series. Uh, the miniseries is is Froggett's first major gig, as I said, after Downton. She plays she, she, this woman, uh, uh, Cotton, apparently. She was adultery, bigamy, fraud and murder to better herself uh, financially and socially before being convicted and hanged for her crimes in 1873. Now, it's interesting, uh, and I only know this because mm. you gave me the information. Mm. She killed as many as 21 mm. people, including three mm. husbands, mm. right? <laughs> now, this is it. And she was hanged for mm. her troubles mm. in 1873. Mm. Now, this is probably not a movie question, but it's an interesting social question. No, is, yeah. If she did that in 2015, she wouldn't hang. And she might well get out of jail after 10 years. Is it, it's a, I mean, it's an interesting social question. I'd say it'd be uproar now. It'd be war if she got out after 10 years, George. How would she get out? Yeah, she probably would, yeah. But, uh, you know, but yeah. although your man is, is Manson who killed Sharon Tate. Yeah. He's still in jail. Though. He is, yeah. They won't let and, him out. And there's a series called Aquarius um, running with him against a, the background. A, a, a TV at, series yeah, called moment. Aquarius. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, listen, could I just mention, by the way, as I said, we have. Um, I we want have, to ask you about the picture show. Okay, okay. On the picture show, the, on the picture show this week at six o'clock, we have Matthew Heineman, who's the director of Cartel Land. But as well, uh, we have the uh, the director of Legend. 
the Cray Brothers movie that I actually talked about last week who won the Oscar for uh, Best Screenplay for LA Confidential. I'm really excited about him. Now, the guy, so, sorry, the guy who wrote the screenplay for Le- Legend wrote the screenplay for LA Confidential. He, no, he directed Legend and he wrote the screenplay for LA Confidential. Oh, it right. was, I'm a big James Elroy fan, crime, a great crime writer. And it had been said for years because the books and the stories are so vivid that his stories wouldn't transfer to the screen. But this guy got hold of him and he made a, he made a, a great job, I think, of I, Because that was Danny DeVito. Remember he played the little, the little yeah. guy? Well, he always plays a little guy, but... Uh, uh, yeah, he he had. Remember, he'd be typing away, and it was yeah. on the QT and all that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was really good. Okay, uh, the centenary of the birth last weekend of, of the wonderful Ingrid Bergman, Bergman last all weekend. Right. Three-time Oscar winner. Yeah, she won an Oscar for Anastasia. She Bad won, movie. She, she won an Oscar for um, um, Orient Express. Bad movie. Uh, and she won an Oscar for Gaslight, which is probably the best of the three of those. Easily yeah, the yeah, best. Yeah, yeah. Now I have certain memories of her, like everybody remembers yeah. Cass. Blanca, yeah. so that's no big yeah. call. I loved her. Yeah, you'll hate me for this. I loved I her. I know what you're going to say. The null in St. Mary's. The, the bells, bells of St. Mary's yeah. with Bing Crosby as yeah. the priest and Father O'Malley. Father <laughs> O'Malley. Yeah. yeah. And she was trying to teach a young fella to box because he was being bullied. Yeah, Do you yeah. remember? Yeah, 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 yeah. I just thought she was fantastic. Mm. And was, she was it? Well, she was a really gorgeous looking. Hollywood loved her and then she went off at one stage to, to get involved with the Italian filmmaker Roberto Rossellini and there was uproar as a as a, as because a she was a, an adulteress. Yeah, she was yeah. considered to be an adulteress. Yeah. yeah, another one late. I think it must have been quite late in her career. Might even have been her last movie. Yeah. I love the end of the Sixth Happiness now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which she was a, a missionary in China. Mm. Uh, Kurt Jorgens was in it. Yeah, her. and yeah. they had a they had a hit with it. There was a hit song from that. Yeah. No, Which I was going to say happy talk, but it wasn't happy. No, talk. no, no. Um, um, yeah. There, anyway, there, was, there a, was a hit. There was a hit song. All right. But she, uh, I mean, she has, she has a, a a sort of a strong range of stuff. Oh, a woman called Golda. I like that. Yeah, that was yeah. a TV that was, movie that was about Golda Meir. Yeah. She played Golda Meir in it. Right. So uh, what your big in, ones? In, Intermezzo was her in, and this back nine thirty six. That was her first. She was she went under contract to David O. Selznick uh, when he saw that. Um, then after that, you've Joan of Arc, uh, oh, you've yeah. Notorious, uh, and you're one, The Bells of St. Mary's, Spellbound, which is a Hitchcock picture with Gregory Peck. Remember that one? Gaslight. For whom the bell tolls, she was desperate to get off Casablanca, believe it or not, to make For Whom the Bell Tolls, and she eventually did that um, in 1943. With Gary Cooper, with, was it? With Gary Cooper, yeah. Oh, she might have had an affair with Gary Cooper. <laughs> Gary Cooper. She seems to have had an affair with No, but with Gary Cooper keeps being put up, well, at the period, like, of, of being such an upstanding guy. Yeah. And he, he used to have affairs with almost every woman he, he acted with, and more importantly, he used to boast about it, which is the lowest form of male activity, to boast about well, your this, this is a, this is all new to me. I never heard about. It? I never heard the boasting about it. Oh, did you no, not? No, no. Yeah. Well, I, I read that kind of stuff. You yeah. don't read that kind of stuff. Mm. You're too kind of pure. Yeah, 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 You're yes, too yes, pure yeah, yeah. A movie guy. But she was actually. I saw her in one with Walter Matthau called Cactus Flower in 1969, which I think is based on a stage play. And she was wonderful. She was great. She was. She had a lovely comic Absolutely. timing. 
you know. The great Ingrid Bergman, a uh, hundred she would have been yeah. uh, this week. And uh, Philip Malloy, of course, not quite a hundred yet. So we'll be <laughs> listening to him for many Wednesdays to come. The picture show on Saturday evening at six o'clock. I'd be broadcasting tomorrow from Inchidani. The sound engineers were Peter Malloy and Marianne Kendi. The production team was Mark Simpson, Killian Woods, Alex Russo and Joe Coffey. But for me now, it's good night and goodbye.